Hello. Welcome to the legends of King Arthur and his knights. Chapter 8. Sir Gawain learns a lesson. The feast for the wedding of King Arthur and Queen Guinevere had been a magnificent affair. Much eating and drinking had taken place, and of course three knights had been sent on quests. We have seen Sir Tor and King Pellinore achieve their aims, even if King Pellinore had not done everything right. Now it's time to follow Sir Gawain and see how he does. Gawain rode away from court. He was too new a knight to have his own squire, so instead he took his brother Geheris with him. Before long, the two Orkney boys came across a couple of knights engaged in a very aggressive fight. Gawain realised that at least one of them was going to die pretty soon, and he strode between them and separated them. Having some difficulty pulling them apart, he shouted for them to tell him why they were fighting. When they told him they were brothers and were arguing over who had the best skills to chase the white hart that had just run by, Gawain got a bit cross. First, he said, brothers shouldn't fight over silly things. He motioned to Geheris. This is my brother and we wouldn't quarrel over a deer. Second, this quest is mine, not yours. Now go to the court of King Arthur and tell him you have yielded to the knight who follows the quest for the white hart. Do this or I will kill you both. The two knights decided that Gawain looked like a far better knight than they were, and they rode off towards Camelot. Sir Gawain and Geheris rode on until they had reached a broad river. On the other side was a knight who told the brothers they could not cross unless Sir Gawain agreed to joust with him. Sir Gawain decided he felt pretty awesome and could beat the knight easily. They jousted, and Sir Gawain was proved right. The knight fell from his horse. Gawain dismounted, and the combatants started to fight with their swords. The knight was no match for the youngest of the knights of the round table, and Sir Gawain was on form. With one great swooping stroke, Gawain hit the knight on the helmet, so hard the blade went through the metal and came to rest in the knight's brains. The knight, quite understandably, fell down dead. Now that, said Geheris, was a mighty fine blow for a new knight. Gawain grinned. Sir Gawain and Geheris's quest for the White Hart had gone pretty well so far. Now, though, it all started to go wrong. The Orkney brothers spotted the hart running towards a castle, so they sent a few greyhounds after it. The hounds chased the deer into the castle, but got a bit too keen on their task. They caught up with the White Hart in the central courtyard of the castle and immediately killed it. A knight came out into the courtyard and shouted, Evil dogs, you have killed the white heart given to me by my lady. With that, he took out his sword and killed two of the dogs. Sir Gawain was livid. Why have you killed my dogs, he said. They only did what was natural for them. I've taken my revenge on your hounds, said the knight menacingly, and now I'm going to take my revenge on you. Both knights drew their swords and they fought fiercely. Both were wounded, but there was only ever likely to be one winner. Sir Gawain was already one of the best fighters in Europe, having been trained in Rome, and he wasn't likely to be beaten by an ordinary knight from an ordinary castle. He forced the knight to the ground and pointed his sword at the frightened knight's neck. "'You will die for killing my hounds,' he hissed. "'Show me mercy,' said the knight. "'You have beaten me, and I yield to you.' Sir Gawain had very recently taken a vow to always show mercy when it was requested. So, did he show mercy?' Did he step back and tell the knight to go to Camelot and pay homage to King Arthur? Did he tell him to say he had been sent by the knight who quested for the White Hart? No, he didn't. 
he raised his sword and brought it down towards the knight's neck, so as to remove his head from his shoulders. Now, it would have been bad enough if Sir Gawain had cut off the knight's head after refusing to show him mercy. What actually happened, though, was a thousand times worse. The knight's wife came running out of a nearby room into the courtyard, pleading for her husband's life. She threw herself towards her stricken knight just as Sir Gawain was swinging his sword. The neck arrived in the sword's path at exactly the wrong moment, and instead of slicing off the head of the knight, Sir Gawain beheaded the lady. Immediately, the knight from Orkney realised what he had done. Geheris realised too. That is a foul and shameless thing you have done, he said seriously. You will always have to live with the guilt of slaying a lady, and with not giving mercy to a knight who wanted it. Gawain nodded sadly. No longer angry, he was very ashamed. He looked down at the knight. I'm sorry for what I've done, he said. Please accept my mercy. I'm not much interested in your mercy now, shameless knight, said the knight. It may have escaped your attention, but you've just killed my wife. Gawain, on the verge of tears, nodded. The knight was eventually persuaded to go to Camelot and tell the story of what had happened. Gawain and Geheris rode on silently until they came to a castle. It seems that news of their earlier exploits had travelled fast, because they were immediately set upon by four knights, who told Sir Gawain they would kill him because he was an unworthy knight. He had killed a lady and refused a knight mercy. The Orkney brothers would have died there and then, as all the fight had gone out of Gawain, but they were rescued by four ladies, who persuaded the four knights to take the Orkney brothers prisoner rather than kill them. The next morning, one of the ladies asked Sir Gawain his name. Gawain replied, and the lady realised he was related to King Arthur. She told him he had done a foul thing, but she would talk the knights into letting him go back to Camelot on one condition. He had to tell the whole story of his quest to King Arthur, and he had to tell the truth. He was given the head of the White Hart, so that he would achieve his quest. The next day, Sir Gawain and Geheris arrived back in Camelot, and Gawain, a true to his word, told everyone exactly what had happened. King Arthur and Queen Guinevere were extremely unhappy with the new knight, and they told him so. Sir Gawain made a formal vow in front of the whole court. Never again would he refuse mercy to a knight. Never again would he fight against a lady. And most importantly, he would become the champion of all ladies and always fight for their honour when asked. Sir Gawain of Orkney upheld the vow and became one of the greatest and most chivalrous knights the world had ever known. It wasn't long before Sir Gawain had the chance to show how serious he was about his vow. In December, King Arthur and his court travelled up to the city of Carlisle to celebrate Christmas. It was, of course, a time of great feasting and celebration, and after a while, King Arthur was a bit partied out. The king decided he could clear his head by going hunting in a nearby forest with his friends. This proved to be a great idea. The fresh air and exercise did everybody good. Late in the day, King Arthur was chasing a stag. It was a particularly swift beast, and Arthur had trouble keeping up with it. Eventually, he lost sight of his prey, and realised he'd strayed into a part of the forest he didn't recognise. His friends, who hadn't chased so hard, were nowhere to be seen. Arthur looked around, trying to get his bearings. Not far away was a pond, surrounded by tall, foreboding pine trees. The water in the pond seemed very black, although not as black as the armour worn by a large knight, who sat, mounted on a huge horse, silently by the water's edge. 
The night was almost motionless, and King Arthur struggled to decide whether he was real or just a statue. His question was answered when the Black Knight spurred his horse on and splashed through the dark water towards King Arthur. When he was within yelling distance of the king, the Black Knight stopped. Arthur, he bawled, I want your crown. Come here and defend it, if you can. Arthur tried to draw his sword, but felt his strength drain away. He had left Excalibur back at the castle and only brought a short sword with him. Without the power of the great sword in its scabbard, King Arthur was vulnerable. Clearly he was under some sort of spell in this dark forest, because he found he couldn't move. Arthur felt the point of a lance on his neck and prepared himself for death. "'I have you now, Arthur Pendragon,' said the knight menacingly. "'I could kill you here on the spot, but that would be no fun. "'I will give you a chance to save yourself and your precious kingdom. "'I have a question for you. "'You must come back to this spot in three days' time on New Year's Day and answer it. "'If you are correct, then you go free. "'If you are wrong, then you die, and I will be High King of Britain.' "'Arthur?' not really in a place where he could disagree, waited for the question. The Black Knight spoke. Here is your question. What is it that women most desire? With that, he wheeled his horse and rode off laughing. Arthur felt his strength return. He mounted his horse and cantered back to Carlisle. When he got there, he asked every woman he could find what it was that women most desired. Every one of them gave a different answer. Arthur pretty concerned he was going to give the wrong answer and lose his kingdom, wondered what to do. He didn't want to tell his wife how much danger he was in, but he mentioned the riddle to her. Guinevere asked all the ladies of court, but of course, all their answers were different too. Arthur couldn't sleep, nor did he sleep the next night, nor the one after. On New Year's Day, he mounted his horse and trotted slowly towards the pond, where he had to meet the Black Knight and give his answer. Arthur ran all the answers he'd been given through his mind, but he couldn't decide which one was right. He was distracted from his thoughts by a woman's voice calling his name. Arthur looked around and was quite shocked by what he saw. Sitting by a tree was a woman wearing a scarlet dress. She was, without a shadow of doubt, the ugliest person he had ever seen. Her nose was like a pig's snout and her teeth stuck out in every direction. She only had one eye and a few strands of hair. Her whole body was bent and swollen, and her hands were gnarled. She did, though, seem to be wearing some very fine jewellery. When she spoke, her voice was soft. My king, why do you look so worried? Arthur told her the story of the Black Knight and the riddle. The lady laughed. I can tell you the answer, it's not a mystery, but you must grant me whatever I wish for in return. King Arthur had no choice but to agree. The ugly lady whispered the answer into his ear and then told him what she wanted in return. Her request was simple. She wanted to marry one of the knights of the round table. Arthur nodded. He couldn't break his word. He wondered how he was going to explain to his knights that one of them would have to marry the ugliest lady in the world. For now, though, he had other things to attend to. He galloped off towards the pond. When he got there, the black knight was waiting for him in exactly the same place as the last time they met. He saw King Arthur and lifted his lance in a mocking salute. Ready for his moment of triumph, the Black Knight spoke. So, King Arthur, what is the answer to my question? Sir Knight, here is the answer. What women most desire is to make their own decisions. The Black Knight stared in disbelief. 
This was exactly the answer he was waiting for, but he couldn't believe that King Arthur had found it. Damn you, Arthur! May you roast in hell! You have tricked me and taken my prize! He turned around and galloped away, fuming. When Arthur returned to Carlisle, he told his wife what had happened and how he had been able to give the Black Knight his answer. He explained he was going to have to ask one of his knights to marry the ugly lady. He was saved from having to do it. A knight had overheard the conversation between King Arthur and his wife. The knight strode purposefully over to the king and spoke loudly. Sir, please let me be the one to marry the lady in the forest. I have done a terrible thing. I have killed a lady. It would be an honour to do this for you. Maybe I can be forgiven for what I have done. It was, of course, Sir Gawain of Orkney, the youngest and best of the knights of the round table. Arthur took a deep breath. Much as I don't wish to persuade you to marry against your will, he said to Gawain quietly, I am forced to accept your offer. Gawain smiled. Take me to her. I will ask her now. King Arthur, Sir Kay and Sir Gawain rode out to where the ugly lady sat by her tree. Sir Kay, not one who was noted for his tact and diplomacy, gasped when he saw the lady in the red dress. My God, he exclaimed, what on earth is that? Surely it's a monster. We can't have her at Camelot. Gawain ignored the rude seneschal. He got down on one knee and said, Lady, will you do me the honour of being my wife? Have you come to mock me, Sir Gawain of Orkney? Are you here to make fun of me? The knight smiled and shook his head. Honesty was written in his eyes. He put out his hand and took hers. Together they went back to Carlisle. The people of the city and of King Arthur's court couldn't believe their eyes when they saw Sir Gawain and his bride-to-be. Nobody said a word. When they reached the castle, Guinevere welcomed the lady and prepared for the wedding. That evening, Sir Gawain and the ugly lady were married. The wedding feast was not a happy affair, and most of the guests made excuses to leave early. At midnight, Sir Gawain led his wife up to their rooms. When they reached the room, Sir Gawain took off his ceremonial sword and sat down in a chair. It had been a very strange day. He was lost in thoughts for a few seconds before he heard his new wife speak. Sir Gawain? Gawain turned his head to look at his new wife and saw, standing a few feet away, the most beautiful woman he had ever seen. She leant down and kissed the knight on his neck. Gawain knew he had to be true to his new wife and so he pulled back, but as he did so, he noticed the lady's hands. On the delicate slender fingers were the rings which his new wife had worn. Gawain frowned and looked into the woman's shining eyes. Yes, Sir Gawain, I am your wife. I was under a curse making me appear hideous, but you have half released me from it by marrying me. Gawain's frown deepened. Half? he inquired. Yes, marrying me has only released me from the curse for half of the day. Now you must choose. Would you like me to appear like this during the day or during the night? Do you want me to be beautiful when we're at court, or would you prefer to see me like this when we are alone? Sir Gawain thought and thought hard. When the answer came to him, he knew it was the right one. He had learned many lessons during his first year as a knight of the round table, and he had learned them well. Lady, he said, it is not for me to choose. Whatever I choose, I would be choosing for me and not for you. You must decide. I will be happy with whatever you decide. The lady jumped with delight. 
Husband, you have chosen well. The decision should be mine, and by giving the choice to me you have broken the spell. I am entirely released from the curse. The celebrations the following day were riotous. Arthur and his court arrived back in Camelot a few days later, still full of merriment. Very soon afterwards, the celebrations turned to misery, as one of King Arthur's closest friends was lost to him as the result of a trick. Next week, we will find out who is tricked and who does the tricking. Until then, have a great week, and I'll speak to you next time.